boy, does the enemy hate us or what? Just in the time that I've been up speaking with you ladies this morning, my phone's been blowing up. Somebody put horrible, terrible homosexual pornography on my husband's Facebook page. He doesn't know how to take it off. So I'm going to pray that God will blind anybody from seeing that or turning it on and watching it. So, Father, <laughs> you're the great I am. I'm speaking about your mightiness, that you're, you're mightier than all this. So, Lord, do a work. Have my granddaughter go over there and take that off. We know that he hates us, and he is working very hard to discourage us. But, Lord, just uh, go before us. Anybody that knows Jeff would know he would never put anything like that on. So go before us in this next session. We give you the victory because you are the mighty God. All right. So uh, Psalms 93, verse 4. If you want to tag along or just uh, you'll hear plenty of it as we go. But this is a verse that the Lord is on high, mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Now, when you think about it, that's kind of an interesting, odd verse, that the Lord is high and he's mightier than the noise of many waters, waters being plural, than the mighty waves of the sea. But this is the God we serve. This is the God we serve, that even the noise of his creation is a witness of his power and his might toward us. I love this verse because I have been, since a little girl, I've always been a water dog. I just, uh, if I see water, I just go toward water. Uh, oceans, ponds, pools, lakes, the river, we go to the river every year. And mostly I love really cold water. I like cold water. I like cold showers. And my idea of heaven is that I want to be a white polar bear <laughs> on his back with, with the ice float, you know, with his feet up, you know. Just. Now, in high school, we had a Coca-Cola commercial. Now, that's how long ago it was. I'm seeing some nods. Yes. There was a Coca-Cola commercial where the polar bear was on the ice float drinking a Coke. And I thought, and my mom would go, oh, that's Karen someday. Her idea of heaven is that ice float drinking a Coke. Of course, I don't drink Coke anymore, but uh, that, was my, that was my dream. And if you had a pool, because pools weren't like really that popular back then. You had a pool. You, you were my best friend. <laughs> and uh, so... But water is interesting, isn't it? It was created by God on day two. And water was, the Bible says that water was created out of a formless material that doesn't exist. Wow. Well, he's God. I guess he could do that. But if I made a big square and I took my hand and put my hand in this formless place and I, water started gushing out of it, that's what God did. He forms things out of nothing. 
And we know the song, nothing, nothing works. You gotta have, gotta have something to make something. But God says, no, I make things out of nothing. And that's how we know he is God. And he created water out of this formless material and made it exist. And I love that. But he can do that because he is God and he is a mighty God. Psalms 93, 4. Mightier than the noise of many waters. Now, the Hebrew word for mighty is champion or hero. A champion is one who is left standing after the conflict is over. Remember David with a slingshot? He was, he was called in Hebrew a champion because he was remain, remained standing when others had fallen. A hero is one that gains respect because of his exploits. And Jesus Christ is our champion. He's the one that's always remaining standing after the fight with the enemy. He's going to fight my husband's battle right now on that crazy guy. Lord, save that man who would do that. Uh, but he is, Jesus is our hero. He's the son of this mighty God. The word of God we know, we've talked about this already, is our love letter. And it's full. It's full of all of his mighty stories and how we love reading these stories to our kids and our grandkids these stories of how god is so good and so great and how he he wins the battles he's mighty over every single area of our lives there is nothing beyond his reach his grip his knowledge and of course we know the verse that says without him we can do nothing john 15 5 but as women we well we try but we can do nothing without him. We have to hold on to his grip. Or we put ourselves in a pickle. Don't we? We just put ourselves in a pickle. It's like, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. One of the hardest lessons that we learn as Christians is when we give our lives to Christ, we turn over ownership, complete ownership to the Lord. Now you might say, well, Karen, I don't know about that. That sounds like slavery talk. No, it's not. Because we gave our lives to him by our choice. We joined God's forever family because it was our choice. He gave us this free will. I know sometimes we get really mad at our kids when they do things, but remember, they're testing what God gave them. God gave them a free will. Sometimes we got to let them hang themselves. Don't rescue them. Did they forget their lunch? We don't have to <laughs> go to McDonald's and get it there by 12, 12.01. Just say, well, you forgot your lunch. It's your fault. I mean, we've got to give them some responsibility. But we, we are in God's amazing family, filled with his amazing power to intervene in our lives. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. We're his. We are his first by creation. And then we are his by redemption. So we've always been the Lord's. But he does give us that free will. When we come to Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit. We talked about that wisdom discernment and his mighty power like i said to live the christian life that's boy that takes a lot of pressure off of me 
when you get in a pickle and you just go, hey, Lord, I really need you to speak to me right now. I need the way of the desert right now. I need you guys to speak to me right now. And he does, and he's faithful. You know, he helps us. We know that people are road raging all over the road, and when they cut you off and you just want to go, the Lord goes, no, 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 don't, don't you do that. Don't you do that. That guy's got a gun. Oh, he'll shoot you, all right. They don't care anymore. We just go, okay, yeah, go on, yeah. God bless you. And you just back off. I don't mess with these people anymore. He gives us the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment and power over the Christian life, over sin, so we can stay immovable. He is mighty power. But listen, this mighty power that God has, it comes with a purpose. It comes to produce holiness in our lives. God is not like Darth Vader. You remember Darth Vader. <laughs> you didn't do what I told you to do. <laughs> I mean, ready to destroy, ready to punish if you don't obey what he tells you to do. That was Darth Vader's purpose. Hate, anger, punishment. That was his purpose, but not our God. Our God is one who loves us. He comes with a purpose to bring holiness, not to scare us or to make us obey because we do it because we're so scared. We do it because we want to. Maybe you've heard this story before. It's a story about a little girl that went with her daddy to a bodybuilding exposition of the bodybuilding's doing all their stuff. And, and one, of the, one of the guys who was just all pumped out and blown out uh, won. And the little girl, they were able to go up and actually talk to the man who won. And the little girl goes up and says, can I, can I ask you a question? And he goes, yes, of course, little girl, what can I say? She goes, what are you going to do with all those muscles? <laughs> and he goes, well, this is what I do. And he did his little thing. And she goes, no, no, what are you going to do? with all those muscles. And as he stood there, stumped and bewildered, he had no answer because he didn't have a purpose. Oh, he was powerful. He had strength, but he didn't know what to do with his muscles. Once he left the show, what's he going to do? How's he going to use that? That's not our God. He's mighty with a holy purpose, and he loves us so much. God gave us the word to show us that he shows up. That's why we have God's word, because he, he wants us to know he's going to show up. He's mighty over all of the areas of our lives. We talked a little bit about this, that he's over the events of our lives. Daniel in the lion's den, the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, the flat tire that you got that maybe you avoided an accident down the road, the lost job, that you had, and then you got another job paying twice as much, but you were devastated when you lost your job. You were so upset, but God says, no, no, I wanted you over here getting twice as much pay. Oh, thank you, Lord. That was what God wanted. You get on a plane and you go, I don't want to sit next to that person, but you end up leading them to the Lord, and you go, Lord, I'm so sorry. Gosh, that was such a tremendous witness. Thank you for using me on the plane. 
He intervenes in the events of our lives, everything he does. My husband was driving down the freeway on the 605 freeway at night. A car in front of him had stalled, no brakes, lights, nothing, complete darkness. And all of a sudden, he goes, Karen, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, the car just went like this. <clears throat> he was in the other lane, and he, pa he passed the car. He said, I'm telling you, it was an angel. That, it was an angel. Have you ever had that happen? I was at a red light one time talking to my little granddaughter when they used to be able to sit in the front seats. Uh, now they have to sit in the back. But in those days when they were little, they got to sit in the front. And it's a green light, and I'm ready to go. And she starts screaming. Laura, what? As the car went, and what it hit is like a T-bone. Laura, why did you scream? I don't know. Well, an angel pinched her. <laughs> God loves to intervene in the events of our lives. You've had this happen to you. You know you have. It's, we need to write it down. And God is mighty over our enemies. And I would tell you stories of that. He warned Joseph in a dream to take baby Jesus to Egypt for safety from King Herod. He was with Jesus when Jesus was being tempted by the devil. He was with Deborah and Barak when they won the battle. He was with the children of Israel when Jericho fell. He is mighty, and he's mighty over evil, just like this nonsense today. He is our victor over evil. He gives us Romans 8.28 to tell us, I'm going to take care of this. Okay, you blew it. You made a mistake. Or somebody hurt you and it wasn't your fault. But whatever evil has come, the Lord goes, I'm going to give you Romans 8.28. And I'm going to give you Genesis 50, verse 20, to know that evil is always going to abound and be, be with you to try to ruin your day. But God is going to turn it to good. Who knows? Maybe some pervert's going to be on Jeff's Facebook and get saved. I don't know. But God turns evil to good. That's what he does. That's why the enemy hates us so much. He cannot win. We are in a spiritual nutcracker. Just, we might as well just submit and let the nut crack. Because we're not going to ever get away from this. Why would we? God uses his very creation to describe the roar of his mighty power. Psalms 94.4, the Lord is on high, on high, mightier than the noise of many waters. What's, what's that? What's the many waters? Plural, many waters. Well, one of the things I would love to do someday, I really want to do this, is I want to go to Niagara Falls. Anybody been there? Well, I hear it's chilling. I hear that when you look down, it's like you want to hold on to something because you think you're going to fall. It's so powerful. It's so mighty that you can't hardly even look at it, let alone listen to the sound. And, you know, right at the rim, you can actually go up and look down. It's scary. I've, I, well, I've heard it's scary. I want to go there. I've heard that Niagara Falls at night, when there's no traffic, can be heard 10 miles away. That's the roar of many waters. The water falls at 32 feet per second. 
that's how fast it went. It was already out the door. 32 feet per second. And when it hits the other water, it falls at over 2,000 tons of pressure. We're not going to make it if we fall in. That's, that's a mighty fall. That's God. Now, it's 80 decibels. Karen, well, what's 80 decibels? It's, you know, the guy that cleans your lawn, the lawn blower guy? And I, go, oh, I just wish that guy would stop. And, well, it's the lawn blower in your ear. That's 80 decibels. You can't hear anything, and you just want it to stop. That's the roar of many waters. You might say, well, you know, Karen, I know the Bible stories. I know all the Bible stories. Hey, I've watched The Chosen, <laughs> right? Every Easter, I watch the Ten Commandments. You know, I make it to probably, we all make it to the Red Sea party, and then we go to bed, but we love that part. But I don't live there. I live in Upland. I live in Downey, or wherever you live, and just go, I don't see all that God's doing. You might say, my life is work. You know, go to work and I come home. I'm a single mom. I just go to work. You know, I just have to, uh, I'm a housewife. I take care of my kids. I do a lot of dishes. Nobody helps me. I do the laundry. Oh, those diapers. <laughs> I'm filling many a landfill. Lost my job. Health issues, pain. Some of you in here today are in so much pain and you came. God bless you. God's going to honor that. Maybe you had an unfaithful husband. Ooh, that's painful. That's hard. Maybe you're lonely. You have in-law issues. You just want to be married so badly. You want, you want that God's man. You want to be married so badly. Some of you guys are saying, I don't want to be married anymore. <laughs> I don't know why they want that. Some of you might be saying, I really I, I want a baby. I just, my sister-in-law has five. I just want one. Just one. I just want one little baby. Maybe your teenagers run away. We just live, we live in a state of constant disappointment. The Lord doesn't want us to live like that. Where is the mighty God who parted the Red Sea and sent manna? Where is the beauty from ashes? The water from the rock. Wouldn't you just love to see that? Did, God, did you lose my file? I turned in my file so long ago. Did you lose my file? He didn't lose your file. But do you ever feel that way? God, did you just, did you forget? Did you forget about that? The one thing that I wanted, that I prayed for all my life? Or you might think, if I could just see a miracle, if I could see a miracle, it would really booster my faith in the Lord. Well, in Exodus 32, we see the children of Israel after they saw all that they had experienced, leaving Egypt, the Red Sea. Think about the Red Sea parting. Would, that, would, you, would you just never forget that? The huge miracles they went through, the manna, all the things that God was doing, the water from the rock. And now they're in the desert. They're setting up. They're consecrating for the priests. They're taking the daily offerings. They're preparing to serve the Lord. These are people who wanted to serve the Lord, and they were preparing. They were making the holy oil 
takes eight days to make holy oil. That's why we have Hanukkah, because the oil, remember the oil? They found one little cruise of oil, and it burned for how long? Eight days. Well, why, did, why eight days? Because it takes eight days to make oil, the holy, the holy oil. And they were making oil consecrated for the Lord there in the desert. And, God, and the people had seen the glory of God. They knew that Moses was his leader. How many more miracles did they need to see? And Moses says, I'm going, I'm going up to Mount Sinai now. And what did he say? And I'll be back. I'm coming back with the word of God on top of Mount Sinai. But in Exodus 32, 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said, come and make us gods, plural. We don't want one God anymore. Now we want gods that will go before us because Moses isn't coming back. What happened? Why are they so upset? Why did they get why did they replace Moses so quickly? They were getting ready for the priesthood. What happened? Well, God was late. He didn't come back when they wanted. And so because God uh, Moses didn't come and do what what they wanted him to do, He's not coming back. We want another God. Give us a golden calf. Why did they do that? Because they had to wait. And here again, for women, well, for everybody, but especially us, we don't like to wait. And this is where we get in trouble. When you don't like to wait, you get impatient. When you don't like to wait, you start complaining. We're, we're just like the children of Israel. We're no different. When you don't get your way and you have to wait, you come up with your own conclusion. Well, I prayed for this for years. It's not going to happen, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. You've been given a promise from God. He's been giving us promises all through his word. Every Sunday you come to church, God is faithful and he gives us his word. But maybe you've been given a specific promise. And you're just saying, well, he's not coming down from the mountain. It's not going to happen. We have to wait on God's perfect timing. Like I said, we're very much like the children of Israel. You don't believe me? Take a little bit of extra time ordering in Starbucks. That person behind you? and you're going to hear some words you haven't heard in a while, or maybe you have, and you're just going, ooh, that was bad. Or maybe say good morning to the person behind the counter at McDonald's. Just just a little chitty-chatty thing. You know, how's it going? How are you today? Okay, how about my Big Mac? Will you hurry up, lady? People don't like to wait, and they get very impatient, and they give you looks that really scare you. <laughs> do you get scared? I do. I'm leaving. I'm going to go take my coffee and leave. And like I said, with the kids, we have a generation of children that have no knowledge of what the word wait means. They don't know what to do. And parents, when they want, when the kids say, I want those tennis shoes and I want them now, we've already got them bought on Amazon and they're coming the next day. No one likes to wait. 
And that in this last year, I can tell you at the City of Hope, I have had to wait so long in doctor's offices. And when somebody else comes in and they call that person ahead of Jeff, oh man. Now we were here. We were here before. You took that you took you took three ladies in before Jeff. We've been here for an hour. We have to wait. That's what the Lord has called us to do. Waiting. The Lord says there are a lot of good things about waiting. And I don't know too many people that teach on this, but do you know that there's benefits? Yeah, we all like those benefits. We like coupons. We like things that we can get. So what's the benefit of waiting? Listen to this. Psalms 27.4 says that we get courage from waiting. Anybody want courage? Listen. The Lord wants us to be bold and brave women, not brassy, not, you know, bossy, but he does want us to have courage. Isaiah 40, 31 says that if you wait, you will renew your strength. Anybody want strength? I need it. You do. Lamentations 3:25. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. Do you want the Lord to be good to you? I do. I know you do. We just have to wait. Isaiah 30, verse 18. God will show mercy to those who wait. Mercy. Anybody want mercy? I want mercy. Mercy. We, if we just wait and we're patient, we get mercy. And when you go home today and that guy cuts you on the freeway, go, ah, ah, oh, mercy. <laughs> oh, I got a little mercy right here. It's going in the pocket, in the bank. Put it in the bank. Here's my favorite. Well, I got one more before my favorite. Psalms 135 and 6 says that if we wait, he gives us hope. I love that. And one more. Psalms 3320 says the Lord will be our shield and he will help us if we wait. I want his help and I want him to be my shield. But I have to wait. And here's my favorite. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, but you need to be still. Isn't that interesting? He will fight for us, but we have to be still and wait. Psalms 37, 7 says, we will prosper if we wait. Those are all good things. And all we have to do is learn to wait, and we get all of them. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy and over thee with gladness. I want to be that person that he puts the stake in of immovability with the hammer that he hammers every single day that I will not be moved. And then I get all the benefits. And this is just waiting. There's so many other benefits that he gives us. In 50 years of ministry, I can tell you I've probably talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls. Jeanette, too. Girls, women, who were, were waiting for God's perfect, perfect mate. They got a word from the Lord to wait. We know the word teaches to wait. They remained pure. And then one night, out of utter frustration, they just go, that's enough of that. They go in their closet. They put on their tightest jeans. 
put on their cowboy boots. I'm going line dancing. That's where I'm going. I've waited long enough. I'm going line dancing tonight. And then they get down there, maybe had a couple beers, and they make the worst mistakes of their lives. Everything can be blown in a night. And that bull that goes up and down, it's laughing, laughing at you. Yeah, I got another one. Hop on, lady, because I'm going to throw you off. And in a night, you've blown the promise that you made from God. And God goes, oh, okay. It's all right. His mercies are new every morning. But it's going to be a little bit different. But that mechanical bull that's in there, just like the golden calf, just false gods. There's a true story that happened to me gosh, I think it's been like 37 years ago, and how I had to wait for my heart's desire. And I waited a long time. When I was a young teen, I had a little baby girl that I gave up for adoption. Oh, was she beautiful. She had blue eyes and blonde hair. She was the most beautiful baby I'd ever seen. And they came in and they took her away and put her in a home. Well, I actually didn't know that, you know, back then they wouldn't tell you anything about adoption. I was tormented, tormented by it, not by the adoption. That wasn't the torment. The torment was I just didn't know where she was. And they wouldn't tell me anything, nothing. Just go home, go back to school, rah, rah, football, put on your cheerleader outfit, just "Eh, go, go away. Thank you for your baby and go away. You'll forget, you'll forget about her. Well, I never did. And even when I didn't know the Lord, I prayed for her. God, God, because I didn't know the Lord. So I, God, but it was a torment. I don't know when I prayed this prayer. I don't even really know if I was saved, totally understood what this meant. But I remember I prayed a prayer that went something like this. Lord, if, if you will allow me to find her, And just to tell her that I love her and what happened. If you will allow me to do this, I promise if I find her, I will wait until you give me permission to contact her. Just let me find her and I will wait to hear from you. It was a covenant, strong covenant, that I prayed that prayer and I made that promise. Why was that so important to me? Because, ladies, I can't think of anything I ever did in my life that I never messed. I just, I always messed up everything. Because I would pray and ask the Lord to help me, and then I just got my hands right in there and said, well, I thought you needed my help. This was something that I wanted to be so pure and so holy. Clean hands, pure heart. I want nothing to do with this, because when it happens, I want it to be totally you. I don't want to mess this up. I was afraid of messing it up because I knew I would. I was so serious about that promise to God. But the years passed. And somewhere, I think, around when she was 11 years old, um, Jeff and I went to Mexico on a surfing trip. And um, I would have these times where I would just go outside and look at the stars and go, Lord, if you could just give me permission to find her. 
I promise I will not contact her until you give me permission to contact her. Just let me know where she is. And I went to sleep that night and I had a very strong vision. And when I woke up, I go, wow, that was really strong. It was the parable of the 99 sheep and the one that was lost. And what the scripture says is if, if you have 100 sheep and one of them is missing, go find that one. Go find that one. And when you find that one, put that sheep around your shoulders and then go home and rejoice with your neighbors. Are you giving me permission to find my daughter? Yes. I ran upstairs to tell Jeff that God had spoken to me, and he goes, Karen, will you please be quiet? I'm watching Billy Graham. There was only one station in Mexico, and he finds Billy Graham. I said, but Jeff, I the Lord spoke. He goes, tell me be quiet. So I sat down, and George Beverly Shea gets up, takes the microphone, and starts singing the hymn about the 99 sheep and the one that was lost. couldn't believe it. So I contacted a search consultant and I found her. I had her name in my hand. I knew where she lived. I knew what school she went to. I knew everything. Lord, okay, I asked for permission to find her and then you said I could find her and then I found her and I have, I, this is it. Everything, ha everything happened so fast. Okay, now what? Lord, Lord, 11, 12, 13, 14. Lord, did you lose my file? 15. And then the Lord gave me this verse in Psalms 138.8. The Lord said this, I will perfect that which concerneth thee. Aaron, just wait, just wait. I know, but it's getting harder. Just wait. I will perfect that which concerneth thee. So I waited and waited, and about two weeks before her 18th birthday, I get a call at work, and the woman on the phone says, are you Karen Johnson? Yes. Do you work at Calvary Chapel of Downey? Yeah. Do you know Jeff Johnson? Yeah, really well. <laughs> she goes, I listen to him every day on the radio. I said, you do? Is this, is this Linda's mom? Yes. I said, well, I've been praying for you. She goes, well, I've been praying for you. I go, are you a Christian? Yes. I go, Me, Linda was raised in a Christian home? Yes, four generations on both sides of the family went to John MacArthur's church. Oh, was God perfecting that which concerneth me? He put her in a home, not only with Christians, but with her mom, her birth mom praying, what a nutcracker. She never had a chance. I said, well, why are you calling me? She goes, Linda's in trouble. Can you help? Can I help? I'll do anything that you ask me to do. She goes, call tomorrow, and we set up a time to talk. And she got it. She was in a little bit of a pickle. We worked it out. She ended up coming over to our house and staying with us. She went to a football game one night. She met a, she met a boy at the football game. It just so happened he went to our church. 
Just so happened they got married. Just so happened my daughters were in her wedding. And Jeff got to marry her. And as I was sitting with her mom at her wedding, and her mom was just beaming, watching her walk down the aisle. And I'm looking at her dad as she's walking down the aisle. I heard the Lord say, Karen, did I do good? No. You did perfect. You did perfect. And this is the scripture that the Lord gave me. Proverbs 23, 25. May your father and mother be glad. And may she who gave you birth rejoice. Is, is God mighty and love us and speak to us? If we wait and we stay in his word, fellowship, prayer, taking communion. These are the benefits that we get as Christians. He's faithful. That wedding was the roar of many, many waters. 37 years ago, she's been in my life now twice as long as she was out of my life. She had two children, same ages as, as my other daughter's kids. They grew up together, little, little cousins, you know, cousins, they're, they're cousins are best friends. Jason and Emily have had two children, and now I am a great-great-grandmother of a little boy named Wade Maverick. Is God faithful or what? Does he care about what concerns us? But it came through great waiting. And I didn't, believe me, I didn't want to, but I was, I don't know about you, but have you ever just been so scared? I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess this up, you know. Take the chips away from me. I'm going to eat them all. Take them away. Help me, help me, you know. And God just said, hey, you know, you were, Karen, you did good on this one. <laughs> I mess up a lot of other things. But I did good because that is what concerned me. That's what was tearing me up. During that time, I was not acting like a pouting child. And when we are waiting for God to do something, we need to do something for the Lord. You see, that was mighty waters for me, for sure. But when I was around 30, the Lord told me to get out of nursing and start working with unwed mothers and working in the field of adoption to help them not to go through what I went through, to make adoption livable for them. I was a social worker working at House of Ruth for 38 years. I had to go back to that place of pain to help other people. Listen, I don't know what you guys have been through. I know what happens to little girls. But sometimes we have to go back and say, you know, I've just got to do something to help somebody else. That they won't have to go through what I went through. The torment of what I went through. I want to help somebody else. And by helping somebody else, do you know what it does? It heals us. It, it touches our heart. It'll bless us. It puts us in the presence of the Lord and gives us great peace. We have to help others. And maybe you might say, well... I don't want to go back to that place of pain. I don't want to deal with that, what I did. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. Well, then do something. 
you know, give, give diapers to an abortion clinic, uh, a pro-life clinic, so a girl's not having an abortion. May, you might say, well, I, I would love to go in the mission field, but I can't go. Well, then support somebody else. There's all kinds of things we can do. But while we're waiting, and while he's got that stake in the ground to keep us immovable, we have to be doing something for him. It's our choice, but I would say to you, we have to step into those mighty waters and not face the water as it's coming toward us. Because when the water's coming toward us, the, the water has to divide to go around us, right? The water has to divide. Or you can turn around and the water's going in the same direction and you just let go. And then you're in the flow. Wow, Lord, where am I going to end up? Am I going to hit a rock? I don't know. Where am I going? Where are you taking me? I don't know. We can be in the way, or we can be on our way. But the choice is ours. What a ride. I can tell you this. There are times that I don't know what the Lord's doing, and I don't even know what the Lord's doing in my life when I get home. I guess getting some stuff off of Facebook. But I know this. We cannot be afraid of the water or the noise. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 says, I have called you by name. And when you pass through the waters, plural, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the river shall not overflow over you, because I will be with you. If you're depressed today, and maybe Mother's Day was really rough, you know, we love Mother's Day, but I'm, I'm telling you, after working 38 years in adoption, it's not a happy day for a lot of women. It's a day of great pain for them. And we need to be sensitive. You know, Kay Smith told me one time, I went to a, I had a group of women that always were inviting me to things. I said, there's a group of women that are always inviting me to showers and parties and things. And I said, but they don't, there's other people in my church that they don't invite. And Kay told me this, Karen, it's not who's at the party or at the shower that you want to look at. Who's not there? And I learned by that, it's like, I want to be, I want to be sensitive to everybody. And if there's a group of people that are trying to keep me on this side of the fence and not wanting to deal with other people, I, I don't want to do that. We want to jump in the flow and help those that are hurting as, as well as we can. Go to the 99 cent store and buy a box of cards. Just encouragement cards. Go buy some stamps. Just every day write a card to somebody. You know, we don't write anymore. We don't, we don't get things in the mail anymore. Just write a card. I, I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you today. Uh, here's a scripture I want to give you today. When I get cards and letters like that, what I do is I, I cut the scripture out and put it on my, on somewhere in my house. Little scriptures everywhere, Christmas cards and things like that. I love the scriptures. Blessing other people. Are you hurting as a mother? Are you hurting over something? Then say, all right, maybe I can't face that head on, but I can go buy a box of cards and maybe send, it to somebody, send a card to somebody who just needs a little word of encouragement today. And realize it's not maybe who's in church today, but who's, who's, not, who's not here today. Maybe somebody's not here today because they couldn't 
deal with the topic or something, give them a call. Just say, hey, I missed you at the conference today. Just want to let you know that I love you. Remember, his mercies are new every morning. We're not out there to chide him. Yeah, why weren't you at the conference? We got blessed and you didn't. <laughs> we don't do that. We just go, missed you. Just want to let you know that God loves you. Want to go for coffee? I mean, just kindness. Kindness. That's what we're lacking in the church today. Is just be kind to people. If you've been impatient and you've blown it, and you just go, I don't know, you don't know. I, am, I have really gotten myself in really deep with this situation. I don't think you understand how deep I'm in. Well, I say, if you can look at that thing and say, well, that's not from the Lord, then get out. And yes, dump the, dump the unsaved guy. He's probably not coming around. I, I know you think you can, but talk to other people that have been down that road. Just let it go, get in the flow, go God's way, and wait. If you're afraid to leave, if you've gotten yourself involved and you're really in a rut, whatever it is. I talked to a pastor's wife one time. She goes, I work at Bank of America and I've been embezzling money for like 10 years. Wow, how'd that start? It just started one day. The money was sitting there and I just took it. And then I took it again. I took it again. I said, oh, honey, you got to get that right. She goes, no, it's, I'm, in, I'm in too deep. I said, well, they're going to catch you. And guess what? They did. And she had to go to prison every weekend. Her husband was a pastor. They, she had to go to pr prison on the weekends. And she missed Sunday mornings. I said, I told you to get this right with B of A. You know, you should have done this. But she thought she could, you know, like smoking. I'll smoke, smoke a pack a day. I'll just smoke a half a pack today. I'll just smoke one day. She got caught. Just We need to just let it go. Like I said, his mercies are new every morning, so no, no guilt. I'm not, not laying any guilt on you today. God's going to take care of it. We need to repent. Don't make this hard. We're sheep. They're wolves. You can't play with wolves. It's easy. It's easy enough. We know that's true. We can start today and ask God to help us. To what? As I said, be bold and brave, wisdom and discernment. We're here because we want to go forth and be more secure, being immovable, and God for sure is going to find a way out for you. Psalms 25:15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for only he can release my feet from the snare. Did you see I kept my eyes on the Lord? I don't, put, I don't look at the snare. If my eyes are ever toward the Lord, he's going to take care of my feet. So don't worry about, well, I'm going to hurt him. You don't, under, you don't understand. Look to the Lord, and he'll take care of the snare. But we have to look to him. That is the roar of many waters. That's the roar that keeps us immovable. And a little play on words. You know, I heard that the, the mist from these waterfalls goes up several, I don't know, half a mile or something. And that it looks like, uh, at Niagara Falls, it looks like the plume of a volcano. 
and it's just, and then it kind of comes down, and I'm thinking, wow, I just never want to be outside of the mist of the Lord. I just always want to be in his presence and always within his, his mist. And the scripture that says, stay within the midst. It's a little play on words. Stay, just stay in his presence. And I'm going to leave you with a gift from me to you. Psalms 138.8. Remember, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth thee. He's faithful. He, that wasn't my verse. That's for everybody that reads it. Steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And Jeanette, I hope I did you good today. I hope the Lord used me greatly to share with you ladies. I hope that I shared even a portion of what she would have shared with you today. But I know this, she loves you guys. She always loved you guys. She was a pastor's wife that loved the flock. She, she loves the women of this church. And even for those of you that maybe you never met her and didn't love her, let me tell you something, she loves you very much. And we need to really pray that God is going to have his perfect, perfect will for her. Father, thank you for today. That, Lord, you are the only, only, only absolute in our life. You are the only one that has the hammer that can put the stake deep, deep, that will cause us to be unmovable, unshakable, always abounding in God's work, in your work, Lord. So go before us. Be with our precious, precious sister, Jeanette. Lord, your perfect will, whatever her timing is, whatever is going to go on. And we, we are open if you want to touch her and heal her today. We're so open for what you're going to do. But we know this, God is a healing God. And I know whatever you decide to do, that she will be healed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.